Well, hey there, this is Miriam Shulman, host of the Inspiration Place podcast, and you're listening to episode number 25. Today, we're talking all about how art can heal. So for that, stay tuned. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hey there, this is Miriam Shulman. I'm so excited for today's episode. We have a great guest today, and we're going to be talking all about how art heals. But before we get there, I wanted to let you know that I'm having a little giveaway for you. And here's how it works. I would love if you left a sincere five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of that review and send it to me in a direct message or tag at Shulman Art on Instagram, you'll be entered to win your very own Inspiration Place apron, which is perfect for crafting, creating, or cooking. The contest ends February 12th. So I hope you'll enter and good luck. And now back to today's show. Today, I've invited a guest expert who interprets drawings to help people understand their personalities, and overcome their blocks. I'm so interested in this topic because I've noticed that my own students' personalities are also manifested in their art. If they paint very tightly, it's usually because they're uptight about something. So I'm real excited to dive into this topic and learn more. In this episode, you'll discover what you can learn about yourself through art, how drawing can heal mental health issues, Today's guest interprets drawings to help her clients form a healthier relationship with themselves and in turn, a healthier relationship with others. She believes art makes thoughts and emotions more perceptible so we can actually see our subconscious and understand what keeps us stuck in order to make shifts in our lives. Our guest works with many daughters of Holocaust survivors who suffer from intergenerational PTSD. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Susan Greif. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Miriam. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is pretty exciting. Glad to be here. So I heard Susan speak at a speaker salon, and I was so inspired by your message and also by your work with Holocaust. So it's not Holocaust survivors, it's children of Holocaust survivors. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I think children of Holocaust survivors suffer from intergenerational post-traumatic stress disorder. And we are learning a, a lot about the idea of epigenetics and how the trauma from parents who were in war or who had major issues in their childhood, in their lifetime, and they possess the, their gene actually changes a bit and is passed on to the next generation. That's amazing because I was just saying to my husband last night, I have this new friend, I'm Jewish and so is she, and we're talking about our mothers and she was saying how her mother's so histrionic. <laughs> I said, yeah, my mom is too. <laughs> and so after we hung up, I said to me, my husband I was like, 
exactly what you're talking about. It's like, I wonder how much uh, as a people we have this like shared passed on anxiety of the horrors of what happened to our people in the Holocaust. So could you explain a little bit more what intergenerational PTSD, well, let's give a definition of that also for people who may not be familiar, what PTSD is, and then explain a little bit more how that might manifest itself. So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's actually what it says. It's it's a post-trauma. Um, you have a certain trauma that's, that is created around you and how you deal with it. And and if you don't take care of this trauma, if you don't face the trauma, it manifests into anxiety, depression, feeling paralyzed, feeling panicked. And there's pain that goes along with it, and emotional and physical pain. Yes, I am a child of Holocaust survivors, so I understand that. And when my parents were in the war, as, as much as many other, it's not just, you know, children of Holocaust survivors, there are a lot of, you know, children of veterans, children of, you know, 9-11 survivors or whatever, right. you know, the Boston bombing or even the children of Syria right now, what everybody's going through, you know, they, their parents um, are in a state of arousal. They become stressed when the, you know, we used to believe that our DNA was, you know, was constant, that there was, was no shift, right? right? Okay. And now we learn that it's really, there's receptor cells under our skin and it, it, and it senses what's going on in our surroundings and it sends messages to our brain and our DNA to become alert. And then your cortisol level goes up, your whole autonomous um, nervous system, automatically, your, your sympathetic nervous system goes out of whack. It's in a constant fear mode. You're constantly, you know, on high alert. You're constantly in fight flight mode. You're constantly nervous. So it's never, you don't get that calmness anymore. You don't get, you know, in, in life, we have the sympathetic and, and the parasympathetic nervous system, and they are to create a homeostasis in our body. So when we're hot, our body sweats to cool down. When we're freezing, we shiver to, to warm up. So, and when we're in sympathetic nervous system, we're, and we're nervous and we're anxious and scared, we tighten our muscles, we, or our digestion system is off track. But if we're in parasympathetic, it calms us down. It's more of a rest and digest state where we're calmer. So our body needs to be in homeostasis state. Okay, so let me back, back you up a little. So if okay. somebody's parent has, so somebody experienced like severe stress, yes. they are always in the state where they're expecting that attack an attack again, whether the attack was war, a rape, something. Anything, right. Okay. And then what you're saying is that researchers have found that our DNA can mutate and it kind of like, I think I've heard this term that it's like a shared memory that you have. Is that right? It's, uh, well, it's, there's the memory cells, but what it is, is really just changing your genotype. So now what happens is the next generation, you know, what their cortisol level lowers. So they don't know how to deal with stress. So they much. also, a child of a Holocaust survivor might also be always afraid of that kind of, or a child of whatever the survival is Correct. of some sort of attack happening that they... Okay, so that would explain histrionic mothers. Right. <laughs> so they can't deal with it. Yeah, it's so funny because, you know, this other woman, we, we, we have Mishugas Mondays on Facebook Live now. And we're children of Holocaust survivors, so we can share our childhood Mishugas. 
craziness yeah. as we well, go. My, my grandparents were not in the Holocaust, but they, they <laughs> survived. Okay, just by the way. Um, but they, they, they did survive the Depression. And, right. you know, I think there is that whole generation. So it's not Correct. just a Jewish thing, but, Correct. Uh, you know, having survived the Depression and the feeling of scarcity and not having enough. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I, you know, and not only is that the epigenetics part, but also the nurturing part, you know, growing up and, and also in the womb, you know, there's that, like you said, there's the cells and memory cells and how our mothers are acting during the time they're pregnant and mm. feeling during the time. So all of this. It's all our fault. Know, well, you know, thank <laughs> God for <laughs> you know, thank God for mothers. We, yes. we give our children, you know, material to share with their therapists. Right, to keep, to keep the whole therapy industry <laughs> employed. So let's bring this back to art. So when you okay. work with children of Holocaust survivors, what would be the first thing you do with them in a session? We talk about their childhood, of course, you know, and... We and are talk- you a trained therapist? I am not a trained licensed therapist. I, you know, I am not that. I certified in the creative arts therapies. Okay. I study biology and psychology. I've studied all forms of arts. Uh, I have experience with my children as being. You know, but the first thing you do with them is not here are your art supplies. You do talk first. We do talk, okay. but I do have them do a drawing, a family kinetic drawing. And okay. what that means is they go into a regressive state, and I have them draw something, a scene with them and their family when they were five years old. They say our first memories at five. So everybody in the family needs to be in this drawing and doing something. So there are many things that come up. Now, do you say, here are the crayons, or do you put out a bunch of art supplies and let them choose? How does that work? I offer them supplies like markers, colored pencils, and markers, and I allow them to choose. And it starts with the art medium, you know, how they choose their art medium. If they choose a marker, you know, perhaps they're more confident. If they choose crayons, they might feel more regressive or childlike. And if they choose pencils, you know, it's about needing to be in control mm. because they can always erase and do yes. it just right. Yes. So, I mean, and the way they are acting when they draw out, they look at their gestures and their, you know, and their feelings and how they're draw is another way to see. Are they anxious? Are they nervous? Are they comfortable? You know, what expressions are they having? Then there's the drawing themselves. Is somebody missing in their drawing? Is somebody central in their drawing? Are they showing marks of anxiety? Are they showing marks of despair? Are they okay, sh- so stop. What would be, a, and by the way, so it's not about like how good their drawing is. It's not an objective oh, thing at all. No, okay. it's, I mean, I have worked it with three-year-olds, so it has nothing to do with their you know, how they draw. This is not okay. a drawing class. This is very simple drawings, and it's more about the process, how they draw, what they're thinking about, what they are feeling, and they make a body-mind connection. Okay. And what would be a marker of anxiety? Can you give us an example? Yes. Just constant scribbling back and forth. Just like nervousness, like you're nervous. It could be if you take a tree and, and they constantly go like this on the, on the bark instead of just mm. drawing the lines maybe, or maybe a notch. And by the way, a notch in the tree could be a, a time in their life where they had scar, mm. their trauma. So there's, there's a different 
assessments. And I like the family kinetic drawing because you also see the relationships, how you are with the people in your family. You know, or is there a boundary between you and somebody else? Is there somebody who's more centered? Are you tiny and insignificant? Uh, you know, is there somebody, you know, holding, playing, you know, sport, like holding a bat and about to hit you in the head, you know, mm. all these little things uh, is the colors we choose. Green. Right, so let's talk about the color. So what would the color choice tell about somebody? Can you give some examples? So red could be either anger or passion. Red and blue, if they're mixed together, sort of, that's against authority. Mm. Orange could be energy, um, creativity and energy. Yellow it could be actually male-oriented or warmth or hope. There is green, which is growth in nature. Uh, brown is also about nature and being grounded. Blue is maternal, even though it sounds like you think it's for a boy, but it's really maternal yeah. Interesting. and calming, right? And you think about mothers more calm and men are, you know, more. And what like, about pink? So you said blue is Pink is very calm. feminine. Pink is feminine. Okay, so blue is maternal and pink is still feminine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And black and grays could be depression or dark blue could be depression also. Purple is hope, loyalty, wisdom. Okay. So now when somebody does the drawing, do you start to tell them, okay, this is what your drawing means or do you, okay, so what happens next? Okay. So after they create a drawing, I ask them to journal everything about the drawing. Okay. You know, um, what do they see in it? What what surprised them? What is odd? What is different? Uh, why did you choose a specific color? You know, what feelings did this provoke? What emotions came up? And where in your body do you feel this? Susan, are you doing this one-on-one? Or are you working with a group when this happens or, or both I ways? do both. Okay. I do both. All right. Of course, I would go in a little further one-on-one. So if I'm in a group, you know, after they write this and share this, I would point one thing out to them and ask them, why did you do this? Okay. You know, I can't make an assumption. I may see something. Mm. And so I need to ask. For one mother, she was upset because she got called in from the school and says, oh, your child was drawing these figures and it's all in black and we're concerned because there's a negative connotation to it. It's depressing. We have to check. You have to, you know, work on this with your child. So the mother came in to me and she said, I don't know what to do. My child, he drew black figures. What does that mean? What does that mean? So I can't make an assumption. You know, I can think it's depressing, but I'm not going to make the assumption. Why don't you ask your child, what does that, what did he draw? She Mm. comes back the next day. She says, he was just drawing Darth Vader. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, so I, you know, I may see something and I will question them, but I can't make the assumption based on my knowledge, but I have to say, okay, why, you know, why is this this way? Why did you, why is your brother not in the picture? I just had a client, he drew a tree and the branches went out, but came back in. And this person is an introvert, like, you know, branches is to reach out. He has a hard time socializing. So it's all back him about him again. How interesting. So there's a lot of um, stories. So, I, I mean, I had mentioned once the my client who, who was a daughter of Holocaust survivor, and she was part of a group and she drew a picture of her childhood and she was, I drew a picture of herself in the shower and it was enclosed, the shower, 
And she was, again, five years old, and she was dressed in the shower. And she had the shower come like a rain shower. And this woman was like 57. So 57 years ago, they didn't have these type of showers in the home. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking. Of course. And anyway, so there's one opening on one side of the shower where she reaches out and holds her sister's hand. And she and her sister are crying. On the other side of the shower, where there's a straight wall between her and her mother, she has a drawing of her mother's eyes darting at the daughter's. And on the other side of the mother, her father's back was turned. Father's back was turned. He had no hands and feet. And Mm -hmm. she writes it, sorry, girls, I can't help you. Feet and hands are really a sign of being helpless. Feet Mm -hmm. can't be, you know, you can't be independent because you can't go anywhere. And hands is about you can't give, give or receive. So I asked her, you know, what is the scenario? She says, so strange. Because sometimes you're, when you're in the moment, when you're present doing your drawing, sometimes you get so in the zone, you don't even realize what you are doing. How do you help your clients do that? Because I can just imagine getting a group of people who are not artists together and getting a lot of resistance that they can't draw. Yeah. Uh, I tell them this is not an art class. We don't care what you draw. There is no judgment. This is a safe form. And I don't care what you draw. It's not about how you draw. I mean, they'll draw stick figures. I don't care. You know, we had this discussion about like what's going on. She's, I was in the shower. My mother used to watch me shower until I was old enough to move out of the house. I was not allowed. She was 16 years old. She left the home. I was not allowed to shower without my mother observing me. So I said, where was your mother during the war? She says, my mother was in Auschwitz. My gosh. And I said to her, I said, well, what happened in Auschwitz? What is, did she have a job? And she says, she's, oh my God. And there she had her aha moment. Oh my God. Oh my God. My mother's job was to clean out the showers <gasps> after everybody had passed. That's awful. Murdered, let's just say. So her mother's trauma was a fear of something happening to her daughter in the shower. Although logically she understood it was different. It was her mother's trauma that was so hard for her to let her daughter go. This aha moment, usually aha moments come for the first drawing. Mm. And so she wanted to work with me further and... It took her a long time to forgive her mother, but it's about teaching her to understand her mother, where she comes from, even before the Holocaust, you know, what was her child like, to understand where she comes from, to start to empathize and to start to forgive. Because when we forgive, we let go of the anger because the anger does nothing for the person holding it. Right. You it's know, like that Buddha saying that he, holding on to anger is like holding a hot coal because you want to throw it at somebody. But meanwhile, exactly. you're the only you're one who burnt. gets burnt. Exactly. Yeah. So letting go. So to the point where she so forgave her mother that when her daughter had a baby, she asked her daughter to name the baby after her mother. Mm. And she let go. It was, and she had, she worked on herself and she found that her relationships, and that's what, ha- that's another thing is like the other reason why we do these drawings is relationships tend to recreate over and over again until you learn the toxicity of your original relationship. And then you learn what lesson does everybody bring to you. And when you realize, yes. wow, like 
oh my God, I'm repeating the same thing over and over again. With you seek, you seek out the same people because you're trying to fix that first relationship. And it's like you mentally want you, you have to have closure on it yes. before you can move on. Right. So even when somebody comes to me and is like, oh, my relationships have been horrible. I said, you know, my boyfriend, terrible. I said, you know what? Stop looking at it as like, oh my God, this is a, he was a terrible boyfriend. Look at his, what lessons did he teach you? What are the lessons that he taught you? And then use the good, like, wow, he was my teacher rather than, mm. oh, I'm angry at him. You know, right. it's like, he's my teacher and I've learned my lesson and now I can go forward and realize if he abused me, like, I don't have to be abused. I can, you know, I'm worthy, you yes. know. And not to pick the same people yes. again. Yeah, and become aware. And that's the whole idea of the drawing is to become aware. Where are you holding your trauma? How are you reacting? Who in your life is difficult for you? Another woman, for instance, she was complaining, you know, she lost her parents and she lost her husband years ago. And she says she's lost her friendships and her kids don't speak to her. And so she feels very invisible. So when I asked her to do her drawing of her family, it was just, she was the only child. She drew a picture of her parents. And she says, you know what? I, I don't see me. I, I, I don't see me. I, I said, mm. well, if you're not visible to yourself, how can you be visible to others? So we went through the process of empowering herself and seeing the, the beauty in every day. And now she is like part of the welcoming committee for a certain art museum that is her favorite. So, and people are praising her and she's being seen. And so. Susan, after the initial drawing, is the rest of the therapy talk therapy or do you return to drawing again to see how the patterns change? We do. We do return. A lot of it is talk. We also talk about maybe movement. A lot of it is journaling. You know, when people come to me, it's not just, I'm not a talk therapist where people can come and they can lie and they can admit and they can vent about the same thing. And, you know, I don't sit there and I nod and wait for you to come up with your own solution. I don't do that. It's more like a life coaching as well. Okay. So we discuss things there. Every new client gets a journal and we come up with questions for them to journal about, like things that come up in our talk. This is what I want you to journal about. Why are you doing this? What's going on for you? How is it making you feel? So, and also they have a gratitude journal every day. They have to write a gratitude to acknowledge. And I'm not just saying I'm gratitude. I'm grateful for my children. It's more like I am grateful that, you know, my husband sent me a text saying he loves me. I am grateful that I was able to find this one thing that I was looking for forever. Just mm. being grateful and being aware of little things that come into our life. I was taught to not only be grateful every day to I believe in God, to my, you know, to God, anybody else can use the divine, the universe, whatever it is. I am grateful for God, for everything God gives me. I am also grateful for God for everything he chose not to give me because mm. it wasn't meant to be. The gift of not getting what you want. Right, because there's right. a reason for it. Right. That divine intervention that I believe in. One thing I loved in your talk that you, you, I would love to share with our audience is that you said that when somebody goes to a talk therapist, that they can omit things or leave things out, but the drawings never lie. Correct. Correct. And it, actually, I guess there was a lot of laughter in the audience when I said that. I think everybody was able to relate. Oh, yeah, because we've all lied to our therapists. Right. <laughs> 
Exactly. Oh, and like, so I know the story. I know right. the story. But we're like the perfect heroes. And, you know, everyone else is the bad guy. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's what it is. In the drawing, you know, I look at people's strokes. I look at the pressure. I look at the colors. I look at the placement. I look at, you know, what's missing and what's not. And then you start questioning. It's like, and they'll always say like, oh, I didn't realize you. So, oh my God, that's so weird. Like even like the other day, she, young girl, uh, a woman in, in the support group I had, you know, she was talking about her, you know, two older brothers and, you know, sometimes she felt alone. And there she was, when I asked to do the family drawing, she was alone in the picture. That was mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. You know, another person draws themselves only. And turns out that person is a narcissist. I have no idea what anybody else is doing. Right. So, you know, there's the OCD comes through, mania comes through, depression comes through. So when we talk about so healing, the healing part, you know, what is the issues, you know, the anxiety, we can deal with just like, you know, your intake, you know, your, your sugar intake, your caffeine intake. And what is anxiety? It's, it's dealing with the unknown, you mm. know, the fear of the unknown. So it's about letting go and keeping in and keeping that balance of loving yourself, you know, as well as loving others. You know, women, we grew up to nurture, to give. I mean, first thing we have is those dolls and we feed the babies and we, and we like comb their hairs and we take care of them and we learn to always give and give and give. We, and learn to give others before ourselves. So this is why that whole metaphor about the stewardess telling, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before yes, you take yes, care of others. Yes. It's because it's not innate for us to think of ourselves first. Except in my family, the women always took care of themselves first. <laughs> I said it's not innate. <laughs> but there is a must be. But in other words, it's kind of like, you know what? We need to, you know, so when, when I have my clients write their, their to-do list, it's not just about what you want, what you have to do, but also incorporate what you want to do to mm. create balance in your week. That's yeah. awesome. Susan, I am so happy that you spent this time with us today. Thank We're so, so grateful much. and it was so inspiring. Is there anything else you want to add before we call this episode complete? No, I, I mean, I would love for people to reach out at artmensheart at gmail.com and ask me any questions. I do offer workshops, whether, you know, for corporations or your own workshops, if anybody wants to create one, I'd be happy to do one. That's great. We'll make sure that your website is included in the show notes. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been such a pleasure. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. Okay, so... I hope you found that conversation as inspiring as I did. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps this podcast get the word out. All right, guys, thank you so much for being with me here today. I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great one. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, you have to check out the Inspired Insiders Club. It's my monthly membership program where you get weekly inspiration from me. Every week, I share with you techniques that I use in my own art for drawing and painting in both watercolor and mixed media. Plus, you'll get a weekly idea video. 
so that you never run out of ideas for how to make the art your own in your own style. If you're feeling stuck in your art and your goal for 2019 is to unleash greater creativity, to spend more time painting, but you need a little help creating that habit, then the Inspired Insiders Club will help you get there. Come join me over at shulmanart.com. That's shulman with a C. shulmanart.com forward slash join. I'd love to have you join me in the Inspired Insiders Club. See you there.